and you can hear him screaming in the background and clearly in shock of what he just did and wasn't thinking right and just, you know, oh God, oh God, my wife, I killed my wife. Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Sanigato. I'm Greg Dybeck. Just uh, wanted to give a little thing out there for anyone who wants to be on the show. Uh, you can email us at OPL Podcast or go right to our website, OPLShow.com. Uh, if you feel like you have a story or something cool, definitely don't hesitate to reach out to us. Yeah, and a big shout out to our patrons over at Patreon.com slash OPL Show. They support the show directly. They help us keeping bringing uh, you guys new content through that support. And for that, they get weekly bonus behind the scenes episodes. They get access to our Discord channel, as well as some episodes with guests that will never appear on this main channel. So if you would like to join the OPL community, uh, just head over to Patreon.com slash OPL Show. Now to get into today's episode. So... You know, I think obviously we, we speak with a wide range of guests on the show with all types of stories, backgrounds, experiences, though every once in a while we kind of have the opportunity to speak with someone who has experienced such, I would say, an unimaginable or kind of heartbreaking tragedy or, you know, an experience that would truly top kind of the list of experience that, experiences that we as humans would really hope to never have to go through. And these people are brave enough to come on the show. They speak to us. They relive these moments and experiences so that we can get an understanding of, you know, how someone is able to, to deal with such experiences uh, as well as grow, cope, learn, and kind of just continue to, you know, live their lives despite such unfortunate circumstances. So these are, you know, really powerful perspectives to hear, I think, and, you know, rare ones. So we've got our guest on the line today, and we're going to be speaking with him about his experience as a child, uh, where he actually witnessed his own father kill his mother in front of him. So we've got the guest on the line. Just want to take a second to, you know, thank you so much for being on the show and, and your willingness to share all of this with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So, you know, we understand the, you know, main moment that we're about to discuss here today between your mother and your father. But before that, can you just briefly talk about the relationship between them? You know, was it a violent household? Did they argue frequently? Uh, Had you seen abuse take place or was that not the case at all? It wasn't, it was more verbal, physical. It wasn't really a lot of physical, it was more verbal abuse. Um, I was very young when this was going on. So I don't know if I didn't fully understand what was happening or I blocked a lot of it out, probably a little bit of both, but um, uh, I can give an example of something that I do remember. It's really, um, my father, I wasn't, I wasn't there for this. It was in front of my sister. I was probably outside playing or something. They got into a fight. This is when I was about five, my mother and father, and uh, my father put the gun to my mother's head and threatened her, and um, she called the police on him, and I remember him being away for a long time, but I didn't know why. And eventually she took him back and forgave him and blah, 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 you know, because she wanted a family and all that. But so there was stuff going on behind the scenes I wasn't realizing, but they they were together since they were, my mother was 16. So, but there was, I'm told by my family that they were, they did love each other and they were very close, but as the years went on, my father became kind of a different person, basically, more controlling. Why did he have a gun? Did he have like a licensed gun or he was a police officer or something? No, my father was very into guns. My grandfather was also into guns, so he had a he had a pretty wide gun collection. So you said that he went away. So he was arrested. How long was he away? Oh, I don't I'm not sure. I was at least 5 or 6. 
Um, so I can't give you the exact date on that. I was a little young, but no, like, was it like years or was it like a couple months? No, it was probably maybe like a year, a few months, something like that. Wow. So he ended up coming back into your life and, you know, this obviously kind of culminated into one particular argument. So when, when this argument happened, how old were you exactly? I was nine. Okay, and how well do you remember, you know, what what you saw that day and and what transpired? Problem is, well, I mean, I was gonna say the problem is, but the I my most vivid memory of my parents is that day, unfortunately, because it's just drilled into my head. But um, so I do remember basically step for step, you know, what went down. But um, yeah, I don't know if you want me to tell exactly what happened step by step or. Uh yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're, we're interested. I mean, we just kind of wanted to know, like, you know, of course, like leading up to this moment, if it like came out of nowhere or something, but it sounds like it was a, you know, pretty toxic, you know, relationship there. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, not all the time was there fighting, but um, when there was fighting, it never got, it never got physical. Um, like to, to at least is in my memory to my seeing. I didn't right. see it was mostly verbal and a lot of back and forth and yelling. Um, the morning of the incident, it was just, you know, it was a Wednesday morning um, and it was a normal, you know, middle day school, getting ready for school. And they had a little argument, which, you know, isn't uncommon. And I went in the room and it just escalated and escalated. And he just took one of his guns and he went after her and down the hall and he, he kept shooting and and she uh, unfortunately you know he she fell and she was trying to make a call to the police but she never made it and um i uh i eventually called the police myself because that's what i was always taught to do and um i didn't i didn't see what happened um from them because the phone was in the laundry room and it was attached there was a phone that was attached to the wall so i was told to stay about the phone but my little sister was with my father the whole time walking around the house and you can hear him screaming in the background and clearly in shock of what he just did and wasn't thinking right and just, you know, oh God, oh God, my wife, I killed my wife. And it was just, it was a very scary situation. I didn't fully understand what was happening at first. I didn't want to understand what was happening, to be honest. It probably happened and it just, it just, it's just, that's how it was. Did, did, was there any point like during your upbringing that you felt like something like this could be possible or was it ever a worry in your mind that like my father might be violent? No, no, no. Jeez. So that day you're, you're essentially just kind of like a bystander through all this. I guess you're, there was just basically like the fact that you were there, that your sister were there, it, it didn't matter, I guess in, in, the fit of rage or whatever your father was kind of experiencing at the time. He just uh, basically ended up shooting your mother in front of you. So you said that you ended up calling the police. Is that something that you did kind of right away? And do you remember, you know, what, what you said to them? Well, when he, he shot her, um, as he, as when, when he took the gun and went to shoot her, she shut the door behind him. He shot through the door. He opened the door and walked down the hall. And that's where he, 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 unfortunately took a life um at first i don't think i fully comprehended what was happening so like i just was didn't like in shock and didn't believe and i just went up to like her and you know really i realized she was you know going dying and i uh 
I then realized I had to do something. I didn't know what to do. My father was, you know, pacing, screaming, yelling, and I was scared. So I just, I, I went to the phone and I, I called 911 and I just stayed by the phone until the cops came. It wasn't immediate. I mean, there was a lot of walking around, pacing, crying. Jeez. That's, so, I mean, obviously something no child should, should ever have to see. And, you know, we're obviously sorry that you, you even had to experience that moment. No. So your your father, though, you said that he immediately, you know, from his behavior, it kind of sounded like he re- immediately regret what he had done my father yeah he uh he had a very bad temper um he would fly off the handle very easily um and start screaming and yelling but but you know um like i said before he was never never physical in my memory and my mother but um he also he had a lot of mental problems too he had he i don't know exactly what he was diagnosed with again i was too young for to know all this but he also had a drug problem he he sold drugs he took drugs um he uh, he just he was a very troubled person. So I'm assuming you know after you call the cops, the cops arrive. Your father's still there, and did you kind of tell them what happened, or did he? Well, the police came in. They arrested him. Um, they took me and my sister to the police car, and then we were escorted from the police car across the street to a distant neighbor's house where. Uh, you know, people came and invest, you know investigated and wanted to know what was going on, and yeah, and that's that's what happened after that. I never saw my father again for a few years after that. Um, yeah. Did you end up living with family, or or what happened in that setup? Luckily, um, my family. You know, one of the first things they did was make sure that they got custody of us, and you know, yeah. So me and my sister were raised by my aunt, uh, my mother's older sister. Gotcha. Now, you know, you're nine at the time and, and you witness something just pretty unimaginable by any standards for, for anyone to witness. And do you remember, if at all, just like how that sort of immediately affected you or, or your sister? Because now suddenly your entire family, as you know, it is is gone. Do you, do you remember like how you even began to process that at that age? The thing is, is um, I uh, I don't think I wanted to accept it or fully understand it. And I, I also, this I didn't say, I'm also on the spectrum. Um, I was a wild child. <laughs> I was a lot worse when I was little. And uh, family considered not, not actually, you know, having me go into foster care because they couldn't deal with me. So I was a crazy child who, who didn't understand that, who did his own thing, who was, you know, jumping off the top of the house thinking he could fly so yeah so so uh that's not a joke um so uh yeah so i wasn't comprehending it i wasn't thinking about it i didn't try to think about it of course you know for years in therapy they tried to talk about it but i always you know brushed it off didn't want to think about my parents parents it was just too painful um it wasn't until years later when it really hit me like years and years later my sister it affected a lot sooner especially since her birthday was the next day which was really hard for her. Possible was really hard for her. Her fifth birthday. Um, so yeah. So I mean, you said that you didn't see your father for a couple of years. So can you kind of describe like the first time you see him after this sort of thing? Yeah. Um, so my family didn't want me seeing him. Unfortunately, my my mother's. You know, obviously I understand their feelings, but they you know they kept me away for a long time. And when they finally felt it was okay for me to see him, that I saw him, he wasn't able to speak at that point. Um, he had. He had diabetes and, M- and MS, 
and um, it uh, it was slowly taking hold of him. So the first time I saw him, he barely speak, but he could he recognized who I was. I saw him one time after that. He was almost complete vegetable, and the last time I saw him was like a month before he died, and he was not even coherent. He wasn't even there. So you know. Wow. Were you so when you did plan to finally see him? How angry, if if at all, were you at the stage, or what were you hoping to get kind of from that first meeting from him with him? Oh, again, I was still young. I must have. You know, I was in my like early teens or maybe pre-teens when I first saw him. It wasn't anger. It was more of just you know indifference, to be honest, because I didn't. I I was I'm not happy what he did, but I don't I never got a chance to know him. I never, you know, when I was a kid, I wasn't with my parents constantly. If I was with anybody, it was with my mother or outside playing. That was it, mostly outside. Just we had a big yard and swings and stuff. And I was like I said, a little kid that would run around all the time. So I just I feel bad because um, I should have wanted to see him more. I feel, but I didn't. I didn't because it was just painful, and I just you know. But the first time I saw him again, I couldn't communicate. I couldn't. I didn't. I just wanted to tell him I love him, and you know that's all I could say. And I had to leave because it was it wasn't like we we're gonna have a conversation. Yeah. Now I f- I feel like some people listening the the thought here is probably like saying that you love this person or just wanting to see this person. Uh, I feel like it would be easy for people maybe not in this situation to just think how could I ever love that person or why would I even ever want to see this person again? So can you describe that a little of, you know, that, that feeling of still kind of, I guess, loving him because he's your father or it just seems like uh, a really complicated dynamic. Yeah, it's a complicated dynamic. See, I love him because he's my father. I hate what he did. Um, my sister feels the same way, to be honest. Like um, we, we don't hate him as a person. We know, you know, there was a lot of other things that went down to the ears. We know that he was a good person but as time went on he just he changed um and he became a very awful mean individual uh but i still love him because he's my father i can't i'm just that's just how i i see it do you think it had anything to do with you know the fact that you said he was you know doing drugs and kind of indulging in these harmful activities oh yeah i'm sure it's partly to do with that but it's all partly like his his own makeup his own himself i know how my grandfather is um like with his anger my my father's father so i can i can see how my father would get that anger because my grandfather flings off the handle for nothing and so i i get it like again i was too young when a lot of this stuff went down so who knows what else happened when i was that young so what what kind of like if i mean if you could pinpoint it like what kind of like lasting impact does this you know have on a on a person you specifically you know well i mean it's hard to go a day without thinking of your parents. I mean, I, uh, it didn't really hit me, hit me like I, until I turned 21. That was when it really hit me because that's like, you know, that's a big, a big day for someone, you know, they're fully an adult now. And I just started thinking of things I couldn't do with my mother. And, um, I never got to do it with my mother, never got to talk about. It, and I just, I never actually sat and thought about that for all those years, believe it or not. Um, so, that's when it hit me real hard. My sister, it hit harder when she was younger, but I, I just, it just never took me longer to realize that she, oh, she's gone. That's it. This, you know, 
so how do you start to explore those feelings when, like you said, you turn 21 and, and it's really starting to hit you that now your mother's not there and, and she was taken away from you? Uh, you mentioned therapy before, but what were some of the ways you kind of, you know, explored these thoughts and feelings and, and tried to either, you know, maybe dive in further to kind of understand them or, or get over this trauma in a sense? Well, I mean, I haven't really um, done much in therapy, to be honest, I haven't really. I was. I, I've been in therapy before this happened. I was always this is therapy as long as I can remember. But um, I, I don't normally touch upon this. Um, something I've been doing for myself to try to help with the feelings is I. Unfortunately, Corona put that on halt. But I was trying to make like a little essay video, or whatever. I wanted to interview family and get to know who my parents were, since I never really got to fully know them. And unfortunately. Um, I mean, there's a lot of family on my mother's side. My father's side, there's only two people really I can go to. One of them I can't trust, and one of them wasn't in the picture for most of his life. So I can't find out much about my father, but I, I started to, to go around and interview family and ask how, who my mother was, things she liked, the basic stuff. And it was a way of helping me feel like I, I got to know her a little more. Because like I said, I was young. I never connected with my mother at that point yeah that, that's such a that's such a great and and powerful idea i i think personally to kind of go down that journey on on your own and just kind of uh hear from the people who did know them and and basically paint your own picture of you know who they were as people yes wow so you did mention uh i think in the email where you had come across you know, comments and things too of like, you know, you sent, I know you sent clips, newspaper clips and things like that. And we kind of saw the articles of your father getting arrested. And you said that you had seen, uh, some, some people's or strangers kind of response to your father. I don't know if it was like online or not, basically saying like he should burn in hell and all the things that he deserves. And, uh, you said that was a really kind of unsettling, you know, feeling and you're kind of horrified by that. Could you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, that had to do with, um, I don't know what year it came out, but Natalie Merchant, the singer, made a, a concert documentary about domestic violence, and she dedicated it to my mother. And uh, my mother has a part, I mean, the, her story has a part in the film. And um, when I was invited to the premiere, and I went to the premiere, and there was all these, like, drawings and, and things on the walls from victims and families and there was one big poster that said Anthony deserves to burn in hell and it made me feel very uncomfortable um, but I knew it under, you know, was coming from people that were hurt or people that you know that went through the similar situation it just it just it, it's I, it's hard to see my father as a villain even though I know you know what he did was awful it's just he's still my father so I can't think of him in that way that other people think of him um, my cousin Teresa was very my mother's niece, very close to my mother, and she, when everything happened, she rescued a lot of the pictures and stuff for the house, you know, from the house, and she gave it to us years later. And a lot of the pictures of my father, whether he was ripped out of them, and she she should apologize for that years later. She's I just couldn't stand to look at him, and I'm like, you know, I understand that, but those are pictures of me, my father, my mother, and my sister, and I would like to have my father included in those pictures so you know it hurt them and i I know it hurt them very much but you know it's a hard thing 
it, yeah, it's just, you know, trying to wrap your head around this situation of how complicated and how complex that is for you to be in that position, because it's true. And, and, and you know, we all do it in a sense. We hear these stories or maybe true crime stories specifically and, you know, pass our judgment, possibly, you know, rightfully so on onto people who commit heinous crimes and, and acts against other people. Like, obviously, you know, no one's condoning that. But, you know, to think of someone in your position, it, that's that's kind of the person no one thinks about in these scenarios. You know, just the son who had his mother taken from him by his father, but is still you, we're so young that like you still we all want a father figure in our, our lives. And I try I'm trying to it's it's impossible trying to put myself in those shoes of you know, what it would take for a family member or someone to do for you to just be able to so easily write them off and, and see them as a villain. That must be so difficult when it's your family. Yeah, I mean, if you if you watch, you know, my mother took a lot of home videos. Unfortunately, a lot of them were lost after this. Um, but um, uh, again, my cousin Teresa saved what she could. And uh, I would watch them, and you can clearly see my father loved me, my sister very much, and he always would play with us and be very, and, you know, he he was he there was good qualities then. He was an excellent drummer. He was a great carpenter. He built the house that we lived in, <laughs> so you know he was very mm. skilled electrician. He went to you know, um, so it wasn't like I just I want to point out it wasn't like it's all negative. He was a drug user and he had all these problems. It was a good 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 side to him. Unfortunately, that day that good side wasn't there. Yeah. No. Wow. It's just, uh, you know, it's that just to be human, I guess, is it doesn't mean we're all monsters to the core. But, you know, so many of us and maybe all of us are capable of uh, terrible acts like that, potentially. So it's it's like you said, when, you, when you're looking at the lifetime of it, uh, this person did a terrible thing, but this person also did great things for you or brought you into the world or you've even be, been able to see positive moments of, of him making your mother happy and uh it's it's a lot to navigate it's it's a lot to take in I, I can't imagine but I think it's like I said before uh really cool to hear that you're kind of going down that journey to you know uh, understand your family and kind of piece this this bigger picture you know together because it was sort of taken from you you know when when you were young and is that something that you want to continue obviously you said you know pandemic uh kind of put a halt to that but that's that's kind of a project that you want to continue taking on i definitely want to continue taking it on i uh i have a whole uh list of questions to ask family and i I would like to make like a compilation, like, you know, maybe an auto recording or something. Get those store, get stories down, get all that stuff down. I, I feel it would be very helpful for me. And it's also just, I think, a good thing to do to preserve your family history. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a really cool project uh, again. And is your, you know, relationship with your other family close or has it... Has it been difficult at all because of, you know, like you said, your mom has a lot of family on that side and are they, have they just kind of completely blacklisted your father or are they kind of willing to, you know, help you explore this and, and complete this project? Oh no, they're, um, they're willing and open to talk about my mother, my family, I'm pretty close to my family. Um, I mean, there's some of them that, that hate my father more than others is, you know, it wasn't like. You know, my aunt Jody, who raised me, she got along with my father fine. Um, you know, it's it's just 
it's just th- their baby sister was lost. <laughs> it was taken from them. So, of course, they're going to be angry and, and upset, and um, they have every right to be. And I don't say, you know, that's wrong or not. Um, but, you know, some family refused to talk about my my main my main thing I want to learn is is not just my mother and my father but them as a couple because they were together. My mother w- was with him since she was sixteen to her death. I think she was thirty thirty nine or something. So they were that was basically you know her whole life they were together, and he was only four years older. And that's a lot. That's a good chunk of their lives. But if my family doesn't want to talk about him, you're, you're missing you know that 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 chunk, which is what I would like to know. Mm-hmm their relationship, how it was, you know. Do you, uh, do you forgive him? I, for, I forgive him um, because I, I feel like I just couldn't keep living with just hating and, and being like, why, 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 you know. I, I truly believe that wasn't, like, deep down what he, he wanted. Um, I believe he just, for whatever reason, just did not, just snapped and did not, think of the long outcome and rage just took over um you know yeah wow well before we wrap up is there anything we didn't cover or any any kind of last message or anything that you would want to leave um really i just feel that domestic violence is something that should be talked about more and i unfortunately i'm ashamed to say i haven't done much to talk about it my my family my family has my cousin like, like i said i keeps bringing up she did a lot after this happened um i got into a relationship that ended up being physical it was it was verbal and ended in physical and luckily i got out of it before it became you know like that but uh i just i, I just want to say that you i i i uh, i don't know how to say it i understand I don't say it like how my mother must have felt in a way, kind of, which is when you love someone, you care about them, you say to yourself, oh, you know, you get better, you just need some help and, you know, things will get better, but they don't get better. They get worse and worse and worse. And then if you don't get out of it, it's going to, it's going to get real bad. So I unfortunately learned the hard way, but luckily it didn't come to where I, I lost my life to this person. No, absolutely. I think it's it's an important message. It's it's something we've luckily been able to cover on the show before. Um, but I, I think it always helps to just to have someone like yourself, you know, voice these stories and and just show the real effects of this, the human side of this. Specifically, you know, someone in in your position who experienced this is is a new perspective for us as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, just thank you so much. And you know, the the obvious bravery and, and courage it takes to to relive and share a story like this and just uh just just to just to have this conversation and just to try to make these conversations normal when possible you know around domestic violence and warning signs and things like this so uh i think i think it's it's a great message and we we seriously thank you you know so much for sharing all of that with us oh, you're welcome thank you for having me thank you man appreciate thank it thank you thank you and good luck with everything thank you Today's episode is actually sponsored by a new card game that Joe and I created. If you guys don't know, we've been working on this game for over a year now, and it's called Pay the Price, and it's a trivia party game. So we love trivia, we love ridiculous party games, so we decided to combine that 
into one experience. And the way it works is you get together with a group, someone is read a trivia card. If they get it right, they keep the card and it's a point. But if they get it wrong, then they have to pull a consequence card. So a consequence card is a ridiculous or embarrassing challenge that they have to complete to keep that card and get a point. So it could be anything from having to sing for the rest of the game, uh, performing karaoke, giving a lap dance to a player, a ton of other you know awkward and funny challenges that kind of range from funny to just absolutely ridiculous and we're excited about this game we wrote every single card and right now you can support the game by pre-ordering it on our kickstarter and this helps us turn this dream into a reality to get this thing mass produced and make as many as possible and it also makes sure that you'll be the first one to get your hands on it when it comes out. So all you have to do is head over to kickstarter.paythepricegame.com and that's where you can learn more about it. You can watch a video of our friends playing the game and of course you can back the project, uh, which is the same as pre-ordering a copy uh, if you would like one for yourself. So thanks so much guys for supporting this project. That's kickstarter.paythepricegame.com. We've had a lot of conversations that have been hard to wrap our heads around. Uh, I, I don't know exactly where this falls on that, but it's it's high on the list because it's just truly a perspective I, I never would think about. You know, especially uh, so many of us love consuming these types of stories, or like this is true crime in a sense, domestic abuse. But like from his perspective as a child, and and just that just how difficult it is to still want some sort of normalcy or, or love for your parents. But then one of your parents is the villain who took the life of your other parent. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm just having a hard time understanding how I would even begin to think in that situation. It's just very sad. It's very sad when you think about it because he's a young kid. He doesn't really know his parents at like five years old even nine years old i mean you know them but you don't really know them because mm -hmm. you know as people yet because they're like your parents you know and for that to happen and then it's also like you know it's one it's not that it's one thing i'm not going to use that expression because that would kind of like downplay one like a part of this but both of these emotions of just being someone who has to deal with seeing their mother be murdered by their father in front of them, that already is very confusing and traumatic. But then also having to deal with, well, I don't really know my parents at all. And everyone's telling me to hate this guy. And he's doing, you know, hor he did a horrible thing uh, to this woman who I loved, my mother. But I can't hate him. Like that also is a very confusing and traumatic thing that will just follow him for the rest of his life right. and it's really it's really scary man and like as you know I, we you know he talked about domestic violence and um yeah it's just it's it's scary and i and and you know i my parents aren't together anymore my parents are separated and there were times growing up where you know everyone's screaming at each other or it's very loud and you're scared and you're young um and you like you don't know what the fuck is going on you know my my father has never put his hands on my mother ever but they would like scream at each other but it's but it's like it's it's it kind of you know makes me really emotional to think about you know and that's why i asked him of like have you ever thought about that ever happening like ha have you ever like been young and hearing your parents argue and you're like 
am I in one of these households that people talk about where people where their their family like is fighting and like because there's a big fight going on this everyone else is fighting with each other over the fight and like mm-hmm. it's just not a good place to be um and that's why I was like did you ever think that he would be violent and he's just saying he's just like no and like he never was but he did the ultimate act of violence and and murdered his mother and it just really makes you think and it's it just kind of across the board with domestic violence it you know it a lot of the times it's a person who people would be like i never would have thought it would be them i mm. never would have thought it my dad i never would have thought um that guy or you know this this guy or whatever like no one ever thinks about that like this person is capable of that and it's just very scary and what he said at the end of the episode was very important um about you know when you love someone very much you think that you know i just need to try harder or i need to put more time in and they'll get better or you know whatever but they're just going to get worse and for whatever reason whether it be drugs whether it be alcohol or some sort of mental you know disease that they have um you know it's 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 going to get worse and like the best thing you can do is sort of remove yourself from the situation and then kind of let it you know take care of itself in that way but I mean, like I said, I, I can't even imagine, you know, what this what this kid is, you know, going through, you know, uh, the traumatic experience at a young age to now the mental after effect of dealing with everyone's telling me to hate this man. And I just can't find it in my heart to hate him because I don't know him. I don't know anything yeah. about him. I know what he did, but I don't I don't know what kind of person he was or what, you know. It's it's just it's just wild, man. Yeah, that that dilemma to deal with on that scale of of forgiveness, like that's a dilemma most of us will never truly encounter. I think on small scales, sure, we're hurt in many ways by people, uh, whether it's their words, their actions, uh, certain experiences, and and we have to, you know, really wrestle with the idea of forgiveness and truly forgiving someone like most of us have dealt with and will deal with those situations but forgiveness on that scale uh is something that's you know hard hard to imagine what what goes through your mind to be able to make that decision and be able to understand what forgiveness means for you for someone who has done something so bad the the ultimate it's the ultimate evil you know he he took a life of, of another human and uh you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's hard to imagine, but I think for him, you know, it's, we can't, we can't judge his decision and, you know, that's, that's on him. And, you know, he, like he said for him, it would have been harder for him to live with not forgiving his father. So I think we, we have to accept that and we have to believe like it's only, it's only his decision to make. It's none of ours, no matter how easy it is to pass judgment on, on someone who commits a crime or does something so evil. Uh, but at least for him, I think it's just interesting that he's just, he's exploring this journey and, and he's kind of going down his own path or this project, as he said, to just understand his family and just, just take, take the evidence of, of who they were as people, what their relationship was. And, you know, his, his choice to not let that one act overshadow everything, you know, that that's his personal choice. And, and I respect it. And I think it's, uh, it's great that he's at least exploring that to find his own answers and not just uh, letting noise from others kind of dictate his decision. So I think uh, I, to me that that seems like a really healthy way to approach uh, such an unimaginable situation you know yeah because i can imagine like putting something off and and not thinking about it too much uh and then it hitting you you know he said on his like 21st birthday or when he turned 21 um 
you have to do something with that, you know, you, to continue to suppress this, you know, especially something that's so traumatic and huge in, in your life. Uh, it's just not good because that can lead to something bad down the line, you know? So that's why, you know, I always recommend to anyone who's feeling like overwhelmed or anything like, you know, therapy is a, is a good way to, or even just like talking to someone, just having someone you could speak to and put all your stuff on is like huge because being able to have that mental release of like, I'm not walking around with this alone. Like no one understands or no one is going to get it or no one knows my story. When you have a therapist, they know everything about you. If you're honest with them and you, you know, you, you tell them everything and you've been with them for a certain amount of time, like you, you feel like you have someone at least you don't feel like alone. It doesn't feel as heavy as it once did. Um, speaking from experience, like I just started doing therapy, uh, probably like six months ago, seven months ago. And it's, it feels like, um, like that. It feels like, you know, there is someone who kind of understands like, and, and there is someone who is very helpful. Um, even if they're not given, like they don't have to be given out gems of advice. It's just kind of like, you just need someone to listen and not going to judge you and just be like a unbiased person who's just going to take in all, all the information and know shit about you, you know, and kind of help you sift through that. So for him to take it in his own hands and to be like, you know what, like, yes, I'm in therapy, but also I want to know who my parents are. So I'm going to do these interviews. Like, I think that's a really cool and creative way to, you know, gain some closure at least like knowing them better mm -hmm. as people and not just this person is a victim. And this person was the person who murdered her. Like, yeah, that, that must be a tough thing. Yeah. It's going to be the closest thing he can get to, you know, have, having his parents around in in the good times i guess growing up with them so yeah i you know i think we we for sure wish him best of luck on that i, I hope he continues with that and you know we'll definitely try to keep in touch with him as well but uh wow i mean probably the hundredth time we've said it on this show but uh, you know this it's the guests that come on that make this show and that's yeah. just another example of uh, you know, a, an amazing guest willing to to relive that story and, and share that perspective with us. So, so, so grateful to, to be able to talk with someone like that. Yeah. And uh, for anyone out there who, uh, you know, wants to be a part of the show, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Go to OPLshow.com or send us an email at OPLpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram at OPLpodcast. And uh, like we said in the beginning, if you want to support the show while also getting a bunch of bonus episodes and content, uh, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash OPL show. And we'll see you next week. Yep.